So we're in the middle of a series. It's called Vital Christianity. And we're just going through the book of James. And that, that book just talks about vital Christianity. It talks about just the things that are necessary to us walking in faith. Some key, key things. So last week... I taught on wisdom, and that's where we find ourselves right now in James chapter 3, verse 13. Uh, and that's where we'll pick up on that theme of wisdom. So I've got a few questions. Are there different types of wisdom, or is wisdom wisdom across the board? But I'll go ahead and answer it. You don't have to answer it. You can, but yes. There's different types of wisdom. And we'll see that in a moment. The next question is there a type of wisdom that is better than the rest? And my answer is, yes. See, I was nodding yes. I wasn't setting you up. That was, yes, there are. That's not even close. And the third question is, what is wisdom? The ability to make good and wise decisions in the midst of difficult situations. It's a part but wisdom is much bigger, much grander than just limiting it to any one characteristic. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that there's nothing generic about you, Lord. And the words that you bring us, there's nothing generic about it. You are a personal God and you desire personal relationship with us. Every person in this place. Lord, in your word it says, you desire that not one would perish, that not one would die without knowing you and your grace and your love. And Lord, I thank you that you go to ridiculous lengths to reach us. You are wild. And you're wildly passionate and in love with us. And so we just follow your lead and respond. We love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, continue to have your way. Take this word and personalize it to each heart in this place. Let it go straight to the point of people, to the point that people even feel like this, this word is just for them and for no one else. Lord, use all of our giving that we've done to you tonight. Lord, use the, the, the giving of our voice and our, our passion in worship. Lord, with these doors open, Lord, let, let those words and that, that cry still reverberate through these streets, Lord God. Lord, use the giving of our finances. Lord, we trust you with all. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with, with our finances. Lord, we trust you with our time. We give it all generously and joyfully to you, Lord God. Father, I yield to you. Have your way. I've got no agenda except for you, Lord. So have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, before I get up here and, and preach each week, you know, I have a pretty common prayer that I pray, you know, much like I did tonight. And it's, it's if you're here week after week, you know what I'm talking about. It's very similar. It contains very key elements. It always contains surrender. My prayer always pleads with God to have his way and not mine. Always. It always contains yielding. Holy Spirit, I yield to you. Have your way. You've got the right of way. Guys, in the book of James, that theme is throughout. Throughout the Word of God, that theme is throughout. Surrender. We will never regret yielding 
to God, surrendering to Him, letting Him have His way. Whenever we need wisdom, the Bible tells us that we can pray to God and He will generously supply what we need. When we need wisdom and we cry out to God, what He's there to supply are His thoughts. Because He's got thoughts on things. He's not some... He's not some icon. He's not a statue. He's got thoughts. Lord, what are your thoughts on this? And then listen, because God has thoughts on things. He cares. Lord, what are your feelings? That shouldn't be weird for us to understand that God has feelings because He's real. He's not a cyborg, ick, robotic something. I mean, He's not. He's, he's, He's real. He has thoughts. And he has desires. And so when we come to him and say, Lord, what do you think? What's your wisdom? That's what he gives to us. As a Christian, I don't have to fumble around in the dark hoping I get it right. I don't. I don't have to hope that I get the answer right somehow. I communicate to God and I ask him to to tell me what he wants, to tell me what he thinks, and through relationship he shares. We can ask God to guide our choices. And so we ask him for wisdom in doing that. But here's what's key, guys. When we ask, we must ask in faith. I heard believe. What else did I hear? Huh? Love him. It was either love him or nothing. And I think it was love him. We have to ask believing. We have to ask with faith. We ask we have to ask believing that he's not this cruel God is so cruel that he withholds his voice from us. No father does that. No good father does that. No good father does that. Here on earth we have flawed dads. Some of us. And sometimes they do. They, they give us a silent treatment. You guys, that is not our father in heaven. He never gives us a silent treatment. He is only good. James chapter 3 verse 13 who among you is wise and understanding. Let him show his good behavior by his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That wraps up chapter 3. And we're not, we're not going to just plow through all that. I want you guys to know that prior to this afternoon, I was all excited to basically camp on verse 17. And it's awesome stuff. But the Holy Spirit convicted me of of just plowing through His Word. And I want to encourage us with this, you guys. Please don't read the Bible as literature. Please don't, don't read it as penance. Please don't study the Word as obligation. Every word that's in there is valuable and is good. And the Holy Spirit's there to guide us into the truth of why it's there. 
And so just as I had to repent of kind of wanting to plow through, I want to encourage us. You guys, this, this book is full of life. And God's just, he can't wait to speak and make it come alive to us. So let's, let's go back to verse 13, and we're going to kind of read 13 through 15, and we're going to camp on 14 and 15 tonight. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show his good beha- by his good behavior, his deeds, in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. So it didn't take us long to answer that first question. Are there different types of wisdom? We see right away, there's at least two, right? There's that which comes down from heaven and that which does not come down from heaven, right? Wisdom that does not come down from heaven, that is not godly wisdom, we can call it ungodly wisdom, but is all ungodly wisdom wrong and sinful? No. It's just limited. It's just limited. And all too often it's insufficient. That word natural, when it says, but is earthly, natural, demonic. That word natural, the, the Greek translation of that word is belonging to the natural or physical. Unspiritual. When we look at natural wisdom, and I say it's limited, here's what I mean. It's limited to the domain of, of five senses. It's limited to the domain of what's just natural within us. It's limited to sight, sound, smell, touch, feel, thought. Things that are generated from us. What's the bad part of this type of wisdom other than it being limited? Because it comes from us. It can't help but be focused on us. On some level. You know, we, we, have, we have feeling. And God bless us with things like compassion and love where we think outside of ourselves. But the huge majority of time, the things we, the, the ways that we apply our feelings and our emotions and our passions, they still consume us. They still revolve around us. What I'm passionate about, right? I never get truly excited. I mean, just truly ridiculously excited about what Kendra's passionate about. Unless it's also what I'm passionate about, right? I mean, if it's, you know, she's passionate about decorating and I'm an artist. And so I kind of, you know, I can, I can get on board with that. You know, Brad, passionate about fantasy football. Let's, let's call it a night and let's, you know, sit and talk about fantasy football. I'm passionate about it. But if you're passionate about Egyptian jewelry, then you're going to have to find someone else. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll nod and smile and be like, that's so awesome for you. But we're pretty much focused on self. Our senses, they're not always reliable. Anybody remember Lassie? Lassie? Back in the, was it 50s? I mean, I remember watching it in the 70s, you know, when I was a kid. But Lassie. You got little Timmy. I smell smoke! Bark! You prefer bark or wolf? What, what do you, Lassie's more like a bark. We're going with bark. Bark! Is it a fire? Bark! 
It's a fire. Is it a house fire? Bark. Let's put it out, girl. So Timmy runs and gets the hose and just starts spraying everything. Because his sense of smell was active. And according to his wisdom, it had to be a fire. Because why? Because the dog said it. The dog said bark. But little Timmy misinterpreted that bark. What the dog was saying was, Brats! Brats! And the next door neighbor was having a cookout. Cooking brats and burgers. And they had fun. Until what? Until little Timmy's wisdom kicked in. And he breaks out the fire hose and the buckets and he ruins the barbecue. And I'm not going to lie, Chuck was ticked. Uh, Chuck had, he's the next door neighbor and he had friends in from out of town. And it ruined the meal. Uh, Peggy's macaroni salads, it stayed okay, but uh, macaroni salad does not constitute a barbecue. <laughs> We're limited. We're limited in our wisdom. We're limited in our interpretation. We're limited by our senses. But God is not limited. So godly wisdom is better than any other form of wisdom. And yes, we have natural wisdom. We have wisdom that's also learned wisdom. I love to read. I didn't used to love to read. That's one of the regrets I had. I wish I could go back in time and tell, well, I wish I could tell younger Mark, you're not always going to weigh 210 pounds. Stop eating so much and work out every now and then, chump. I mean, I'd tell Mark that. But I'd also tell younger, skinnier Mark, um, read. I don't know why you hate to read, younger Mark. Love to read. We, we can gain, we can gain a certain amount of wisdom through information. Through knowledge. But guys, if we are clinging to learned wisdom to define us, we are lacking because it is insufficient. Is there a type of wisdom that's better? Yes. Godly wisdom. Wisdom that comes down from above is better. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be the hero. Heck, I think we're built that way. We're built to be a part of the solution. We're, we're built to want to fix. There's nothing wrong with that. But there, there has to come a certain amount of wisdom in acknowledging what I have within me is limited. We tell our teachers who work with our kids and you know, it, it, being, a, being a, a church that is the size we are, you know, there's deficits we have. And one of them is we have the same teachers week after week. And we, we tell them, you can't be out of the service more than twice in a month. And we're not terribly thrilled with you being out of the service twice in a month. But no more than, you know, you can't be three, four weeks out of the month in there with the kids. Why? Because your love that you have to give those kids is not enough. If you're only given within the confines of your love, those kids are in lack. Because what they need is the love of the Father that you are full of, that overflows, and so you combine your passion, your love, your, your kindness with everything that God's given you. Those kids are good, man. They are taken care of. They're getting touched. They're getting healed. They're getting ministered to. They're getting excited about Jesus. There's wisdom in acknowledging that what we have is not enough. You guys, we, we better grab a hold of that. That's not, that's not this dire admission of weakness that we should be ashamed of. 
men, boys, young men. We don't like to admit weakness. None of us do, but I think us especially, we don't like to admit weakness. But newsflash, he's the strong one in this relationship, not you. If you're being the strong one for your family, if you're being the strong one for your marriage, if you're the strong one, it's a tough road. He's the strong one. There has to be a yielding to him. Women, you are stronger than us. You have a strength about us that we can only imagine. But you're not the strong one. Jesus is the strong one. You could never have bore what He bore. I could never have carried what He carried. The sin of the world. The shame of the world. The rejection of the Father because of sin. Because God is a just God. And a price had to be paid for sin. I could have never carried it. He's the strong one in this relationship. Godly wisdom is spiritual and it's from God. But even though it's from God, that doesn't mean it's not practical. Sometimes the wisdom of God is practical. Other times the wisdom from God doesn't fit our definition of practical. The wisdom of God relates to us as we walk through life. Even during trying times. Because God is a God of relationship and He relates to us at all times. Especially during trying times. Because the Word says He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never abandons us. In 2009, uh, the Harper family, my wife and I and our kids, um, we, we our home went into foreclosure. And we found ourselves about $300 short every month on our mortgage. And the bank wouldn't accept partial payment. You had to have it all. And so we prayed and we asked the Lord to guide us. We asked the Lord for his wisdom. First, let me tell you what the Lord did not say. Okay? He did not say, twirl around seven times like a ballerina, take your shoes off, walk to Stanley Lake, stick your toes in the waters of Stanley Lake, go to Vegas and put it all on black. You know what he said? Tuck away what you have. Keep doing what you're doing. Trust me. And trust me for the outcome, even if it's not what you want. That was his reply. It was never a declaration of, I'm going to redeem your foreclosure. It was, trust me through it. But it was very practical stuff. So that's what we did. We took what we had and we tucked it away. And a week before our house was to go into foreclosure, we were only about, only a few thousand dollars short from, from tucking away what we had, but the bank wouldn't take, you know, unless it was all. And somehow the Lord just dropped a few thousand dollars into our lap. We went to the courthouse. We redeemed the foreclosure. That was a very practical form of God giving wisdom. That time. That time. But without a doubt... We can't sit there and try and put God's wisdom into the box of our common sense. 
God's wisdom goes beyond our common sense. The Bible says that the folly of God, the foolishness of God, confounds the wisdom of man. If we're expecting God to always speak in a very practical way, we will be disappointed and we will miss out on hearing Him because God is God and He chooses what He wants. Why did God do it that way? Because He's God and you're not. Because He's God. And He chooses whatever He will. And He always has purpose in it. And a lot of time, that purpose has nothing to do with us. Once again, guys, it's not about us. Our senses, they come from us. They, they flow from us. They, they, they involve us. But sometimes God's purposes, they're so much bigger than us that His purpose includes others who are watching. It, it includes those who are on the outside. It includes someone that I never took the time to even know their name who worked in the Jefferson County Courthouse. And when I walked in with a check and she said, I never see this. I never see this. No one ever redeems their foreclosure. And I said, well, I did because my God is faithful. And so all glory to my, to my God. Jesus is awesome. And walked out of that place without even thinking of asking her name. I just wanted to get out of there. And so God's plan included her in that moment. It included, included a neighbor to say, you're not freaking out? No, I'm not freaking out. I mean, it's, and I'm trusting God, but I can only do what I can do. I mean, I, you know... It is what it is. It, but God's in control, whether we keep the house or lose the house. His plan included a neighbor who was fighting skepticism and belief. And God wanted them to see, no, there's peace in the midst of the storm if you'll trust me. We have to trust God that His wisdom is bigger than just, than just how it applies to us. Common sense common sense. Common sense never chooses joy in the midst of ridiculous crisis. That's borderline stupid. When we're in the midst of chaos and storm, to choose to rejoice in it, that defies common sense. When we're in the midst of a storm, to have our hearts full of peace, that defies our senses. Common sense or just those things that flow from us. When we're in the midst of a storm, when we're in the midst of difficulty, when we're in the midst of, of fight or warfare or whatever it is, or lack, and we've got instincts that take over. And we actually have to suppress those natural instincts and yield to God. You know, there can be an instinct to fight or flight. There can be an instinct to panic, to, to, to fear. We've got to overcome the things that come naturally to us. Why? Because God's wisdom is better. God's wisdom is better. God's wisdom is ours through relationships. It's ours through relationship, not through religious service. Through relationship. Because when I cry out to God and I ask His wisdom to consume this situation, I believe it, I expect it, I listen for it, and I act upon it. 
And I, if I, if I assume, guys, I encourage us to err on this side. If we assume it's God, and it doesn't contradict His Word, man, let's let's let our lives be full of faith. I understand it's scary to leap before looking, and I, I'm not, you know, I'm not an advocate of frivolous. I'm a pretty practical guy. But there's times we've got to leap and say, I know who you are. And I trust you. It takes God's wisdom to prevent our wisdom from turning into selfish ambition. It takes God's wisdom to prevent our wisdom from turning into selfish ambition. We can pull up that, that passage behind me. I, I, it was either verse 14 or 15. We need God's wisdom. We need to receive it. We need to believe it. We need to walk in it. So that when, when our desires to be wise, to be the hero, to be strong, to be whatever, when they rise up, we act upon them. And then they take a confusing turn for the worst. It's God's wisdom that we yield to that brings peace into our lives. What do I mean by that? Being out of control. Being out of control. We're never going to see it that way. We're rarely going to see it the way that we're out of control. We're not going to see it that way. Because we're going to see it as, no, we're not. I'm totally in control. Friends, if we're totally in control, you're out of control. Because it's not you and I who are supposed to be in control of our lives. That's where yielding and surrender and trust with God comes. If you're in control, your life is out of control. Because you are limited. Because I am limited. I've got wisdom. I've got natural wisdom. I've got learned wisdom. It's not enough. Because when chaotic situations come, I've got to trust God. For crying out loud, last summer, last fall, when there was that tornado in here, and Monica's holding up her cell phone going, see right here, it says we're going to die. It says right here. It said, you hear the sirens? That's because there's a tornado right out there. And I'm sitting there looking, and I just said, Lord, Holy Spirit, you better lead. You better guide. What do you want to do? And I just felt like the Lord said, it's more dangerous out there in the streets than it is in here. Practical. Trust me. Difficult. And let's continue to worship. Um, darn near impossible. But we did. We pressed in. We worshipped. We were safe. God's wisdom. In the midst of chaotic times, guys, I promise you, you want God's wisdom and not your own. The divine aspect of godly wisdom begins with belief in and respect for God. It starts there. We have to believe. And, and there's where we face some obstacles, guys. Because if we had a, an abusive father or an abusive mother or a series of abusive fathers and mothers through the homes that we were pushed in and out of, it's hard for us to believe that our Heavenly Father is good because that hasn't been demonstrated to us. That's not what we know. It takes faith to believe that He is good. And friends, if you grew up in homes like I just mentioned, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage your heart. And I want to stir faith within you. God is good. He is good. 
our Father is good. He's not like the flawed men that, or women or people that we've had in our lives. We've got to trust the Lord. Belief and respect. And then that leads to something. It leads to daily decisions. There's beauty in repetition. And most of us hate repetition. I love Mexican food, and I would love the opportunity to be challenged on my belief that I could eat Mexican food every day. I welcome that opportunity. Kara must be Mexican, because I was convinced I was going to marry a, a Mexican girl who would cook me Mexican food every day. But my wife can cook, so I don't know what you are, but you're awesome. Repetition, repetition. I say that and say most of us, that as much as we like Mexican food, we're not going to want to eat it every day. But guys, there's repetition of going to the Lord every day and declaring our need for Him every day. And friends, it should never grow weary because it's strengthening. We're going to the awesome one. We're going to the mighty one. We're going to the loving one. We're going to the affectionate one. We're going to the, the wealthy one. We're going to the empowering one. Every day going, all you've got, I take it. I receive it. You can, you can bless me now, Lord, because I know your heart for me, and that's your heart, so I'll take it. Thank you, Lord. Every day. It's, it's a daily decision to trust him, guys. Man, when, when we wake up and, and it's sunny outside and an animated bluebird flies down on our shoulder and, and all of a sudden we just start hearing songs and doors open for us. When we walk, that's, that's easy, man. That's easy to trust the Lord. But what about when we wake up and it's stormy and dark and there's a leak and now there's, there's roof damage and we're freaking out. Then it might not be as easy, but we still run to Him. James 3.16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. There is disorder and every evil thing. Not just disorder. Not just, not just disorder. Disorder is bad enough. But where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil thing. And what ushers these things in? We just read it. What ushers these things in? Allowing jealousy and selfish ambition into our hearts. Anybody have a real simple definition of jealousy? I mean, let's eliminate evil, let's, let's eliminate evil motive, motive from it. Anyone got a real practical definition of jealousy? That's wrong, man. I want someone to cook me Mexican food every day. Wanting something that's, that's not ours, but it, uh, you know, it being out of control. It not just being a passing thought, but something we allow into our heart, right? What about selfish ambition? Let's take the evil assignment out of it. Selfish ambition. Just in its simplest terms, what is it? Wanting what I want. 
I just want what I want. I just like what I like. Hey, if I'm not going to look out for me, who is? You guys, if I'm not going to look out for me, who is? I've got needs, man, and no one's meeting my needs. If I don't care for me, who is? You guys, that that's that that I'm not I'm not trying to condemn that. But I'm trying to enlighten our, our thinking and the fact that God will meet our needs. If we go to Him, if we run to Him, if we trust Him, if we trust Him that is truly needs that we're seeking Him, and not just once. It is not a need to have Mexican food every day. That's not a need. My God hasn't promised me Mexican food every day. But He's promised He would provide my needs. I don't I don't miss many meals. I always have enough water to drink. I live in Erie, Colorado. It's clean water, it's good water. Guys, it says when we allow jealousy and selfish ambition into our hearts, it opens the door for disorder. The result is disorder. Why is that important? Because God is a God of order. Godly order is important. What is that godly order? Godly order is God just doesn't have a part of my life. He is my life. He is my life. He just doesn't get a piece of the pie. He is the pie. Everything fits in Him. There's, there's my wife. There's my kids. There's ministry. There's work. There's all these things. The pie is God. It all fits in Him. I don't make room for Him in my pie. Godly order matters. Godly order matters. Allowing jealousy and selfish ambition into our hearts causes pride and arrogance, which opens up our hearts to hear what? The lies against the truth. What it says right there was that verse 15, the lies against the truth. Question, guys, who is the truth? Jesus. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, the life. Jesus is the truth. So what are the lies against truth that we open ourselves up to when we make things about us without looking to him? What are the lies against the truth that rises up? Jesus does not give a darn about you. He doesn't care about you. How could he? How could he care about you? You know what you've gone through and He knows what you've gone through. How could He care about you? That's a lie, friends. That's a lie. And I'm telling you right now, we've said it all night long. He is here to heal. He is the healer. And He breaks and hurts that we have pain and that we've been through stuff. But He is there to heal. His plan is there to heal. What's another lie against the truth? You can make this decision without bothering God. God is not concerned about this petty little thing in your life. That's a lie. God does care. He cares about the things even that we deem petty because He knows us and loves us and He's a relational God. He's relational, so He cares. I might not care about Egyptian jewelry making, but if you love Egyptian jewelry making, God cares so much about it. And you're never a bother to Him. Friends, you're never a bother to Him. We had fathers who didn't have time for us. We have bosses who don't acknowledge our brilliance. 
We have lots of people who don't have time for us. Not our God, guys. Our God always has time for us. And He is always thrilled to see us. What's another lie against the truth? If you don't make this happen, then it won't happen because God sure isn't going to help you. Guys, I'm a pretty dependent guy. I'm a pretty dependent guy. I, you know, I can, I can get a lot done on my own. But I need God. I don't care how dependent you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how strong you are. You need God. We, we need God. The lies against the truth are too many to name, but we know them. Because the enemy personalizes them in our life. We know what they are. Friends, we must choose to devote ourselves fully to God. Please don't be scared off by that. I just got done talking about how strong you were. Right? I just got done acknowledging how much you are able to carry, how much you're able to do, how capable you are. Please don't be scared off by the word devotion or commitment or being sold out for Him because He was sold out for us. And by being fully devoted to God, and going to Him, and not just making Him a part of our life, or a once a week part of our life, but making Him our life. There is joy, and there is peace, and there is every good thing. He withholds no good things from us. That sounds too good to be true. Well, then this is just one of those times where it's not. God is awesome. We're not promised that that our lives will be perfect. We're still going to walk through some painful stuff. Anybody walked through some painful stuff in the last couple years? Anybody? Devotion to God means we walk through it with Him, never alone. Never alone. Are there different types of wisdom? Yes, and God's wisdom is best. Yes, I understand that we have different types and different forms, but God's is best. What is wisdom? Next week. Next week, we're going to definitively answer that question, what is wisdom? And the answer is awesome. We'll give you a little teaser here now. James 3.17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. I just kind of read a little list. But when I when I read that, does that sound like anybody we know? Somebody who's unwavering? Somebody who's without hypocrisy? Somebody pure and gentle? Life full of fruits, heart full of mercy. Does that sound like anybody we know? Bible says that's wisdom.